And welcome to season three of the JKR podcast presented by JKR Baseball. My name is Jay Shriglin and I will be your host. We're excited to continue the JKR podcast with season three of episodes. This season, we are expecting many great series with top-tier travel organizations across the country, while we also spotlight commits, collegiate, and professional players from across the United States. It is our goal to be the player's platform for all of prep baseball. As we continue to do this, make sure to stay on top of the J-Care podcast episodes, but also tune into the other features that J-Care Baseball presents. That includes blogs like the lineup card written by John Sparacco, player-based events like Battle of Indiana, Summit City Baseball Academy, and other events being announced very, very soon. With Season 3, that comes two new programs for athletes to enjoy. Those are the JKR Brand Ambassador Program and the JKR Athlete Creators Program. To stay on top of all these features, check out jkrpodcast.com to learn more. I genuinely appreciate everything you guys have done for me and the JKR brand over the past two years, and I hope to continue to build both the JKR brand and the game of baseball for years to come. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. J.K.R. Baseball is ecstatic to announce Cradle Batweights as the official sponsor of the Ohio Baseball Series. Check out the all-new Crado Swing Trainers at CradoSports.com. This weight is unlike any other weight available. It is designed to be attached at the hands, given optimal benefits. This unique placement will improve hand speed, bat head speed, exit velocity, and power all while creating proper swing mechanics. The cradle bat weight can be used with T-work, front toss, machines, and even batting practice, all while using your own bat. More benefits can be found at cradosports.com. Cradle bat weights range from 10 ounces to 40 ounces, ensuring that the perfect weight for all levels. Visit cradosports.com and use the code CRADO10 for 10% off. Other products offered through Crater Sports are tees, nets, weighted balls and back grips, high-quality training aids, and competitive prices. Check out CraterSports.com today, and let's dig into the episode. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have Cincy Flames, middle infielder and catcher, 2024, Maryland signee, Parker Corbin. On the J-Care Podcast, the Ohio Baseball Series, presented by Crado Batweights. Parker, pumped to get you here on the show this morning. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Of, of course. Doing. Of course, Glad man. To be here. Of course, man. Appreciate you coming on the show as well. I mean, we're looking at, I think, week five, week six here of this Ohio Baseball Series. So we're pretty deep into it, learning a lot about the Ohio baseball landscape. But, um, you know, before we kind of dig into your baseball career, you know, whether that's with the Cincinnati Flames, whether that's the high school career or even going to Maryland as well. Um, the first question I like to ask everybody to get the podcast started is, those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Parker Corbett? Yeah, no, I'm a, like you said, I'm a 2024 middle infielder. Um, I've played baseball my whole entire life. I also play football, uh, four-year varsity starter, quarterback uh, two of those years and running back uh, two years. But um Parker, I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a hardworking, um, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about what I do, whether it's sports or in the classrooms. Um, and I'm also a leader. I, I think I like to lead. I'm a student body president at my school. I've been on, um, I'm part of a, like five different clubs. Um, and I think it's just, when I play sports, I think it's bigger than the sport. Um, you know, I think it's about creating connections with, you know, my teammates and coaches, um, and I think, you know, I, like everyone loves to play the game baseball, but I love to have fun when I play it. I think that's that's one of the most important parts. I think that's why um, 
I've become good at it. I think that's why I've loved it for so long. It's not just because the sport itself, but, you know, the relationships I've, I've made playing the sport um, uh, with, you know, friends and coaches along the way. Okay. I like that, man. That's pretty in-depth there. You know, most of the time when I ask these guys, you know, who exactly, who's whoever, they'll be like, oh, you know, I'm Parker Corbin going to Maryland. I'm a shortstop. And then we'll we'll just head into the, the you know, everything else. So, man, I like that. I guess got a couple things here before we do dig into the baseball side here. Talk about being a football player, pretty versatile there. You said two years as running back, two years as quarterback. So, just kind of take us through your football career a little bit, kind of give us the, the elevator pitch there. Yeah, no. Um, so, I got a pretty small uh, private school. Um, you know, my freshman year, we weren't very good and it was COVID year. So you, the whole season was shortened. Um, we actually went like one and six, um, and like our program actually almost kind of like broke down, it was deteriorated. Um, our senior class weren't very good leaders and it, it was a, it was a rough year for sure. Um, I come back, I almost quit, uh, playing football, but my older brother, um, would have been a starting senior quarterback and kind of played just for him. Um, I know he really wanted, you know, the team to do well and the program to do well. Um, and we did it. We had a good year. I think we finished up going seven and three, uh, made the playoffs for the first time in like 15 years, something like that. But unfortunately, I did tear my ACL that season um, in the week seven, uh, which was it was it was hard. It was tough, but um, learning moment for me, for sure. Um, and then it was it was a tough decision my junior year, whether I was going to play or not coming off an ACL tear. Um, I knew I had a future in baseball ahead of me. Um, but I decided uh, all my friends and, and uh, teammates I've played with before, um, why not go out there and play for them, play for the coach uh, that I really like. And we had a good season. Um, we also we won the we won our first playoff game in like 20 something years that year. Um, I think we finished 10 and two. And then last year we finished 12 and one, um, had a really good season. Um, our offense broke crazy amounts of records. Um, our running back was a stud. Uh, I think he ended up with like 25 touchdowns for 1600 yards on the ground, something like that. So uh, we had a really good season last year. We lost our ground in the playoffs to uh, a team that made it all the way to the, the state final. So um, football for me is, is, it was really fun. Um, it was a great break from baseball. Uh, I think it also really helped me rehab my knee um, because doing PT as football players doing a little, is doing different than PT as a baseball player. Um, and you kind of have to learn back how to cut, how to jump, all that stuff, all those explosive movements. Um, and as baseball, I know it goes a little slower, but um, I really enjoyed playing football. I, I, I knew if I didn't play, I'd probably graduate high school and regret not playing. Um, so that's why kind of why I did it. Um, and yeah, that was my football career. Okay. So on the, on the academic side, you did say you're student body president. So what exactly comes with that role? What do you, I mean, obviously you guys are seniors, you guys looking ahead there to graduation there, I'm sure in April, May, June, whatever, Sure, that kind of comes with a couple job duties. Uh, take us through uh, how that came about and what exactly comes with being the student body president. Yeah, so uh, that's a good question. We have um, each grade level has class level presidents, and then I'm kind of like on top. So what I do is I'm kind of basically supervisor. I overlook um, all the other student body uh, positions and, and um, just make sure like they're supposed to be doing stuff with their grade levels to make sure everything's running smoothly. I'm just kind of overlook that, make sure that's going well. Um, we also um, plan dances. So, you know, winter formal homecoming prom. Um, I take part in that. We also do fundraising. Um, so we can raise money for either different grade levels, teams, sports teams, clubs is a big one, um, like car club, chess club, all those types of clubs. 
Um, and then lastly, uh, we do like, we have these big school-wide events where we get the whole school together. Like we'll have a pep rally for either football game, basketball game. Um, we have like diversity days, um, indigenous days, stuff like that. Different cultural days, different uh, um, school-wide events that, you know, the whole school's involved in. Um, I kind of help organize those. I'm not the only one. There's also administrators and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's been cool. Like, uh, I got voted on by my peers, and um, it's a it's a, it's a a cool position to be in. So Yeah, for sure. So being a, being a football player, being a baseball player, you know, being that president, I'm sure uh, you don't have too much free time going around there during the school year, and I'm sure not even the summer as well, as we know, as we kind of go ahead and kind of transition to travel baseball. But, um, you know, that take us through that travel baseball experience again, playing for the Cincinnati Flames. I know that's a team that I hear quite a bit about when it comes to seeing all these top prospects in Ohio. So, kind of take us through that travel baseball experience, playing for the Flames, maybe playing for another team as well. Kind of take us through that travel baseball experience. Yeah. Um, so, I played with the Flames my whole life, eight through 17. Um, and uh, my my dad and my one of my like my best friend's dad coached us all the way through we were 13 and then or 14 sorry and then we got new coaches um who were awesome I loved them they were great but uh our team was mostly Ohio guys uh we only had a couple Cincinnati guys I think we had five or six Cincinnati guys uh, a lot of Dayton Columbus uh you know Cleveland guys but um it was really cool we played I mean, most of our terms we played down south or um you know PG WWA um MPI down at Lake Point but I think playing with that, like with that level of, of guys, I think we had at the end of the season, uh, 19 division one commits um, between all of us, which was really impressive. Um, we had a really good team and a really good guy, but a really good guys. And that, I think that was the most fun part was, you know, that team was loaded talent wise, but there are a lot of really fun uh, guys to be around. A lot of guys that cared about each other and uh, it was really a brotherhood. And that's what made it so special, I think. Yeah, I'm sure. And you talk about, you know, playing for the Cincinnati Flames there from, you know, was it eight, seven, eight U all the way up till 17 U. So I'm sure you built some pretty good relationships, whether that's with some coaches, whether that's with some of the teammates as well. Kind of take us through what some of those relationships would be with those coaches and with those teammates. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, so like my, my best friends, uh, we've been playing baseball since eight U. Uh, one goes to high school with me, Davis Campbell, was to Evansville. And then um, Loudon Hilliard, he's going to George Mason. He's, he lives five minutes down the road. So, we played together since we were eight. Um, Loud and I actually went to preschool together. And it's been just, just been super cool to like see their progression through time. You know, they like we've all progressed exponentially uh, and gotten so much better, you know, throughout the years. And just from the coaching standpoint, um, it's tough. Like my dad coached me. He didn't really ever coach me personally just because like he wanted to stay out of that. But um, my, my best friend's dad, was our head coach and he uh had a pretty big influence on me um he he's a i would say almost like a second dad to me um he would do anything for me and then the coaches i had 15 through 17 um justin rice and austin hatfield were they're were awesome justin had so many connections um i mean they were kind of more laid back they knew that we had a loaded team um but you know they still wanted one they came up showed up every day for us and um you know we tried to get the job done yeah. So you said your best friend's your best friend's dad was your coach up there up till 13. You got some new coaches. And then after that, was it the same coaches all throughout high school? Or I know some different travel organizations do it differently. So did you have the same coaches or did you have different coaches every year? 
no, so we had the same coaches, which was nice. It wasn't like you didn't have to adjust to any new coaching staff or anything. Um, so that to say having the same coaches was definitely nice. Yes, I'm sure. And as I talk to guys, you know, that's 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 usually what I get. That's pretty much the consensus is you know they like having those same coaches there every summer compared to again some organizations. You'll have a new coach every summer, have to build that new relationship and all that different types of stuff. But um, and you talk about those 19 division one commits that are on your team. You know, every other class there for the Flames as well have quite a few commits too. For you being a guy that's played nine, ten years there with that Cincinnati Flames organization, what do you think has led to that success of the Cincinnati Flames? Yeah, no, I think it's just um, a lot of well-minded people, a like-minded people, uh, a lot of people with the same goal, you know, want to either, you know, play professionally uh, at some level, whether it's in college or whether it's in the leagues or minor leagues, whatever. Um and I think just having that like constant drive, contagious drive, you know, go floating around. Um, I know like practices we'd get so competitive, uh, whether it was hitting off the tee or doing ground ball drills or um, catchers would get competitive. So like kind of this, that, that really, uh, you know, competitive environment um, with a lot of drive, you know, surrounding in the air. And uh, I think that's what led to, you know, us being so, you know, talented and, and, good okay so you can't touch there on that competitiveness there that's amongst all you guys there on the Cincinnati Flames team obviously 19 division one commits I'm sure you know, obviously lots of high level baseball players there on that team with that competition that's going on with those 18 other guys that are committed to go to that next level their division one kind of take us through maybe how you guys are picking each other's brains maybe the conversations that are going on again maybe touch on that competitiveness that you just talked about what's that like being on a team that has so many other guys going to that next level yeah, no, and I think that's a great question. I think each player, you know, has a different, like, skill set, right? So um, some players might be better at this, and some players might be better at this, right? So when you have such a, a wide range of players with such versatile skills, right, it's easier to, you know, pick off some things like, hey, like, what's your approach here? Or, hey, where's your back foot here? Or, hey, how do your hands and your hips separate when you're in this position versus this position? So, like when you have so much different talent uh, kind of surrounding you um, in so many different ways, you know, you got pitchers that are throwing 92 hitters that are smoking the ball 380 to right center uh, or hitting backside liners. Right. So like how, how, how do you do that? Like, what is your approach here? Um, and just having such a, a wide guy, a wide variety of guys with you know different skill sets. And it's, I think it just makes it so much easier to you know, pick their brains and, and learn from each other. Yeah, for sure. So kind of looking back on obviously this past summer, again, your class of 2024. So that 17 year summer is always that most fun summer last year with your boys last year before you guys are all going to different parts of the country. Kind of take us through what that 2023 summer looked like for you guys. Yeah, no, it was it was a fun one. Um, we had a good time together. Uh, we, had, we kind of went into the season knowing like, hey, this is probably the last time we'll ever play together. Um, some of us like some of us will be playing against each other, you know, next year. Right. And um. I think just like that, we just like, all right, let's take it all in. Let's just, let's go all in. Why not? Right. Let's, let's have as much fun as possible. Uh, let's not worry so much about winning, right. Just kind of be with each other. Uh, and the ones will come if we just play, play our game. So I think that was definitely our, like our mindset last summer. Yeah, for sure. So you talk about, you know, potentially playing up against each other there in the next couple of years. What's that going to be like that first game where maybe there's a guy on the mound, maybe another guy, you know, position player that you're facing there, either in the Big Ten or maybe some other teams that you're facing. What's that going to be like that first time you're facing some of those guys? Oh, it's awesome. I know you had Jake Hanley on here. Me and Jake are close. And uh, 
I told him, I was like, hey, man, if you come in the game, if you relief, I'm taking you deep, man. Like, God's, there's no other option. And same with uh, Keegan Holmstrom. He's an Iowa commit out of Gross and uh, in Columbus. Um, and uh, he's a starting pitcher left-handed. And I was like, dude, you better not face me because I'm getting you taken out of the game, right? So, like, it's like a joking, joking, you know, kind of thing we have going on. But, like, we're all really good friends. And I know, like, if, if we play each other, it's just going to be straight compete. Right. Who wants it more? Uh, who's going to outperform each other? And, and that's just how we are. Is how it's always been. Yeah. But I'm definitely excited to, you know, possibly play some of my boys. Yeah, for, for sure. That's that's always, you know, kind of the benefits of playing high level travel baseball. And, you know, as you talked about those 19 guys, I was I was literally typing in Jake Hanley's name just to double check. He played for the Flames. I couldn't remember if it was the Flames or another team there in Cincinnati. But um, but you talk about him. I was him going to IU, you going to Maryland, top two, top two teams there in the Big Ten. So you guys might be competing for some Big Ten titles here these next three, four yeah. years. So uh yeah. should be pretty fun for you guys. But um again, another question here, kind of looking back on everything you've played with, or, or looking back on every all the time you've played with the Cincinnati Flames, kind of take us through maybe some of those favorite memories that come to mind when you think about travel baseball. Yeah, that's a good question. Um I think the first thing that pops in my head is Cooperstown 12 U. Um just like staying in a bunk with the team that close was so much fun. And plus, um, we had so many home runs. I think as a team, we hit like 70 something home runs in nine games. It was ridiculous. Um, granted, being drop five in 200 foot fences, but still. Um, but I think just that Cooperstown was so much fun. I think we made it to quarterfinals at Cooperstown, uh, lost to a really good Indiana Bulls team that that now is would be loaded with commits. Um, and then uh, 14U, WWA down to Hoover. Um, I think we, we beat the Texas Banditos. Kate Aaron beat a uh, Landon Victorian. Um, he actually pitched that game, and we 9-1 run rolled him, smoked him, lost the next game. But I think that game was so much fun, one of the, the funnest games I've ever played. And then I think probably my best memory playing summer ball actually would be um, – when I was 13, I have a brother who was a senior in college. Um, when I was 13, I played up on his uh, 17U travel team. We played against uh, Midland Braves um, in a tournament in Cincinnati. Uh, and like I played really well. I went two for three. I had a bunt single. Um, hit a little liner through the the four hole. And, um, but it was just really fun to play with my older brother. I, I would never have gotten to because of the year gap in high school. I never got to play with him. I got to play with my other one. But um, I think that was probably my favorite memory playing summer baseball was playing with my brother. And, yeah, you know, for sure. Being a 13 year old facing some 17 U competition, I'm sure that wasn't too easy, but. Oh, uh, <laughs> my first at bat, uh, Seth Loke, he pitched at UK. I think he's still there. I don't even know. He might've got drafted, but he's a Cincinnati guy. And, um, yeah, he was up there throwing 93, 94, and I went up there my first at bat. Took three strikes right down the middle, didn't even see him. And then uh, next step, I was like, right, I'm just going to bunt. So I dropped the bunt on third base and got a single. But yeah, this was some, it was some really fun competition, eye opening for sure. And being that young, you know, seeing like those guys, like what I potentially can come be, like can be or come to be, um, I think that was really eye opening and a special experience. For sure. So kind of kind of moving from the whole team side of travel baseball to maybe that more personal showcase side. Saw that you got the chance to go to that PBR Futures Games. I'm sure that played a pretty big role within your recruiting process. I'm sure that's a pretty big event for you to go to. Take us through what that Futures game looked like there for you. Yeah, I was actually fortunate enough to go three times. Um, 
just with how everything worked out uh, with my decommitment from Ohio State. And um, so my first time, it was like the COVID year. So they changed it. It wasn't down in uh, Lake Point like it usually is. It was in uh, Du Bois, Iowa, or, or Du Bois, Pennsylvania, I think. Um, and it was like 10 teams. Uh, everything was virtual. But it was really fun, like, playing with – I was, like, so young. I was a 24, and there were only a couple 24s there. I think it was me, Jake, and then maybe Noah Lafine, Drew Graham, um, or Drew Bellis. And then – so, like, that was really fun. You know, we were young, playing with these older guys, competing with these older guys. Um, and then next year – it was normal. It was down at Lake Point, and that was really fun. Like, I think, obviously, you got the level. The talent there is ridiculous. There's 350 coaches walking around. Any school you can think of, it's right there. They're there. Um, but I think when I got there, I just kind of, like, blocked it all out. Like, hey, let's just be myself. Let's just play and have fun. Like, this is – I meet new people all over Ohio. Uh, all these kids are good. All these kids are going to go on and play college baseball, including myself. Um, and let's just make the most out of this experience because I'm fortunate enough to be here. And um, – that was kind of my mindset going into all three of them. And then the third year, uh, after I decommitted from Ohio State, I was like, I texted Jordan, who's our uh, PBR Ohio rep. I was like, hey, man, I want to go to future games. And uh, he's like, yeah, let's go. You're in. So I uh, went that year, and I played well. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, the experience is so fun. That's kind of what I take out from out, out, out of it, the experience. Because, you know, playing with that level of talent from – you know, guys all around you is pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of talk about that mindset there. And that's always kind of a, like a follow-up question I like to ask when the guys talk about the futures games. But obviously that first year weren't very many coaches there. Like you said, it was all virtual because of the whole COVID thing going on. Uh, but the second and third year, a bunch of coaches there kind of take us through, how do you maybe block that out real, not, not, not focusing on all the different coaches that are there watching on you guys play and kind of just staying focused on the game of baseball, kind of take us through that mindset a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good question. Cause you know, you, you walk up into the, the the park or the complex and you just see coaches literally everywhere. And most kids, like, they start freaking out. Like, there's their dream school right there in front of them watching them play. But to me, it was like, hey, like, there's nothing I can do, I can stress too much about um, that's going to give me a scholarship, right? So the only way I'm going to earn a scholarship here today is if I relax and I play my game and I play like I know how to play, right? So that was kind of my mindset is, like, it's not the end of the world, you know, if I strike out. It's not the end of the world if I make an error. But if I mope about it or if I let it affect me the rest of the game, then that is the end of the world. Or if I don't run out this ground ball or whatever it is, uh, if I'm not cheering on my teammates or picking them up in the infield or, you know, whatever. So I think that was kind of my mindset. It's not so much like, hey, like, I got to do this. I got to hit a home run. I got to hit a double. I got to make this play. I, I got to be myself and stay within myself and be the baseball player that I know I am. <laughs> All right, so kind of moving from the travel baseball side here to the high school scene, playing there at Cincinnati Country Day. You know, you going into your senior year, you got three years of high school experience so far already. Kind of take us through that freshman, sophomore, that junior year as well. Kind of give us the rundown on that high school experience. Yeah, so freshman year we were uh, – I think we were loaded. Um, and then we lost in the state regional finals – um, which would be in the quarterfinals of the uh, state tournament. Uh, we lost to CHA, who actually ended up winning. Um, but if we won that game, it was a close game. It was like 5-3. If we would have won that game, we would probably won state, to be honest. Um, and then my sophomore year, um, I was hurt most of the year. I did come back because of my ACL tear. 
I think I uh, came back six and a half months post-op on my ACL, played like the last eight or ten games, um, and we lost second round of the tournament uh, to a team we should have lost to. Um, and then my junior year, we actually had a really good season last year. We started off really bad. I think we started off like nine and ten, um, and then we went on like a 13-game win streak, ended up um, like 22 and, and 10, uh, or 22 and 11, something like that. So uh, we lost in the – quarter or the regional semis last year um we are only losing like two seniors um so i think we should have a pretty good season this year pretty good chance to um repeat what we we did last year um i'm definitely excited we did get new coaching staff last year um and they are like a little more uh strict kind of like um my last coach was a little more laid back but they're a little more strict and um, I like I like them a lot. I think um, they made our team better last year, and I think they helped us to get where we're at. And I'm excited to see where we go uh, this spring. So you talk about lo- only losing two seniors off last year's team. You talk about you know if everyone does their job, you know it should be you know re- repeatable job. Shit, man, <laughs> tripping me up. <laughs> so you talk about only losing two seniors off of last year's team. You talk about if everyone does their job. You know it should be pretty easy, not easy, but you know. A lo- should be able to repeat on what you guys did last year. Again, kind of take us through what those expectations should be heading into your senior spring. Maybe give us a rundown on that Cincinnati Country Day team. You know, kind of take us through what you're looking forward to for your for your senior spring. Yeah, I think rundown on our team, we got a lot of pitchers. You know, not, not a lot of guys that can, you know, run up velo. Uh, there's a couple of us, but um, a lot of pitchers that throw strikes, have good off-speeds, can command. Right, and when it comes to Ohio high school baseball, it's you can throw strikes and you got good off speed, like you're a good pitcher. Um, so I think we got a lot of good pitchers. Um, we have a lot of good hitters. We have a pretty experienced um, field. I th- like. I think most of us are upperclassmen. I think all four of our seniors start. Um, our catcher's a junior. Our center fielder's a junior. Um, our best pitcher's a junior. Our second baseman's a junior. Um, so I mean. We have experience, um, and I think, like, we, we get along really well. You know, we, we play with each other really well. At the beginning of the season, we didn't, and then I think that's what clicked was our chemistry, and, and uh, or at the beginning of the season last year, we didn't, sorry. But I think that's what clicked was um, our chemistry, and we started to figure out, like, how to play together, how to, uh, you know, play small ball, uh, make sacrifices, um, timely hitting, um, situational hitting, uh, stuff like that. Um, and I think that's like really what kind of boosted our team or propelled our team um, and to hit that flip around and, and have that kind of winning streak towards the end of the season. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the season for sure, because I think that I think we can just carry it right on to the next season and uh, be a team that can be actually pretty dangerous. So you talk about that new coaching staff that came in last year. Can I give us a rundown? What was that transition going from those coaching staffs or that freshman, that sophomore year to the new coaching staff last year? You know, how, how maybe you went about building that relationship, maybe build, you know, kind of building trust within them as well. Um, Kind of take us through what that transition was like going from the old staff to this current staff. Yeah, no, it was really interesting because the school I'm at and then the school the coaches came from just completely swapped staff. So um, I'm actually still close with, the high school coach who was my prior high school coach. Um, he's one of the, um, people I go hit with sometimes. So, um, but the transition wise, it wasn't difficult at all. I I think that our coaches last year, 
Um, I mean, they were very friendly, very nice. Um, kind of were very uh, straightforward on like what their expectations were, uh, what they wanted out of our team. And I thought they were realistic expectations. Um, and I think they held us to that. But I think like one of our coaches have a lot, lot of experience. Um, our third base coach has a lot of experience. I think he has over like 400 wins under his belt. He's been coaching for decades, many years. Um, and I think just like having, having that around you is kind of a little bit like a motivate motivator. Um, it's like, Hey, this guy knows what he's doing a little bit. Let's, let's listen to him. Uh, he's won some baseball games. So maybe he knows what he's talking about. Um, and, uh, that, you know, that transition really wasn't difficult at all. Um, so I'm excited to see what you know, we can do as a team and as a staff this year. Yeah. So sure. earlier on kind of there at the beginning, I was when you were talking about being that studio body president, you're talking about how, you know, you take, uh, you, you like being a leader, you kind of take that leadership role and a lot of things that you do kind of take us through maybe your leadership on this baseball team, whether that's being more as a senior this year, maybe being a junior last year, maybe even going into your sophomore year as well. Kind of give us the rundown of what that leadership looked like for you on this baseball team. Yeah, no, every, I think every team needs a leader. Uh, every team needs a leader, more than one leader. Um, every team needs leaders, um, not just vocal, but by example. And I think that's, dude, I think I try and do a pretty good job balancing the both because you do need both. Um, and you don't want tyranny, but you don't want someone who thinks he's super good because he is good, but, you know, like he's playing well, and, you know, he's confident and stuff like that. But um, I think just like being that guy that my teammates can look up to and, and not just on the baseball field, but, hey, they've got a problem with their girlfriend or something and they need to pick him up from somewhere. Like to have that trust in me to be able to call me. And, you know, to go pick them up or talk to them about their girlfriend or even if they're struggling with like a loss or something like that. Um, I think that that's what that's what makes a leader. And I think having those type of guys in your team um, is really like really important. And I think that's is what ma makes good baseball teams is having those guys. So kind of digging into the competition side here, you know, when you think about that whole Cincinnati baseball landscape, you know, you talk about your former teammate there, Jake Hanley, I believe Mason's somewhere close to that Cincinnati area. Think of Art Bishop Moeller as well. I've heard of Cincinnati Country Day before. You, I believe you are the first guy I'm talking to from that high school, though. Um, kind of give us the rundown um, on just that Cincinnati baseball competition. You know, what are you guys facing on a night in and night out basis there in the spring? Maybe some other teams you guys have circled. What does that Cincinnati area competition level look like? Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I think Cincinnati baseball is the best baseball in the state of Ohio. Um, and I'll hold you to that. Uh, other people probably think differently, but I think Cincinnati baseball is the best baseball. Um like you said, Mason, Moeller, St. X, all these bigger schools, they always have good teams. Um, I have friends at all of them. Um, we don't really – my team necessarily – since I country doesn't really play them as much just because we're a smaller school. Uh, they're Division three, or We're Division three. They're Division one. So um, we do play a pretty tough schedule. We do play some Division one teams on our schedule just to get us prepped and whatnot. It's good competition. But um, I think from, like, a competition standpoint, like, I'll go ahead with Jake. Or I'll go hit with someone from Muller, um, graduated from Muller, uh, or I'll go hit with someone from Saint X or something like that, and and we're making each other better. That's just what it's all about, right? And we're or we're picking each other's brains, like you said earlier. We talked about earlier, right? Um, I know Jake, me and Jake. Whenever we go hit, it's always we got, there's always free ball talk. There's always, hey, what's your approach in this position? Like, what are you looking for? Where's your favorite pitch? Which pitch do you hit the best? Which pitch do you not like to hit? Which pitch uh, do you not swing at 
oh oh right so like stuff like that um it's it's bigger than just you know hitting the baseball on the, with the barrel it's, you know it's approach mindset uh what to do if you're down in the count uh you know how to battle back like stuff like that but having like such a good you know environment of baseball around you in cincinnati um it's really cool and, and it definitely makes you a better player and pushes you to be the best version of yourself yeah i'm sure so kind of same question here as i talked about with travel baseball as you look back on that junior that sophomore that freshman year maybe even going through some fall stuff as well so far kind of take us through maybe some of those favorite memories would be when you think about your time there at cincinnati country day Oh yeah. Um, that's a good one. Oh, so last year we played, uh, Detroit country day, which is another country day school out of Detroit. Um, and they, they had a pretty good team. One of my buddies, Tyler Inge, his dad played, uh, in the big leagues for a while, but he's going, uh, he signed to Michigan. Uh, I got to play against him and, uh, it was a really good game. We went to extra innings. I hit a bomb to tie it up in the seventh and then hit a triple to tie it up in like the eighth. Uh, we ended up losing, but it was it was a real really fun game. Uh, we hung out after, um, and got to meet like some of the Detroit Country Day kids and uh, and make some new friends, which was cool. We had some, I think we had some canes there or something like that. Um, another memory would probably be um, beating uh, beating Summit. Summit's our rivals, so whenever we beat them, it's it's pretty awesome. Uh, it gets pretty chippy. Those games get pretty chippy. Um, and then I would say probably. Getting to play with my brother my my freshman year when he was a junior, uh, we were a pretty good team. We we beat some pretty good teams, um, uh, beating McNick, um, in the regional semifinals my freshman year. It's like a seven to five game. It was really close. There, uh, Loudon Brooks, who's at, he was at Texas Tech. I think he's at UC now. Um, he was he was on their team. He was a stud. And, um. Yeah, that was a really fun game for me to play. But there's a lot of good moments. Um, too many to choose from, to be honest. Uh, I think high school baseball is so fun. I'm really excited to play again this spring. So so you talk about that Detroit Country Day. And I was going to I was gonna bring up Tyler Inge. You know, I had the chance to bring him on the podcast. I met him down in Jupiter when he was there with that Cub Scout team. You know, pretty cool guy. Um, you talk about, so Country Day, Cincinnati Country Day, Detroit Country Day. Is there So what's that correlation? Is that like a certain – type of high school or is it just the naming like what i guess what's that correlation there yeah so it's just like we, there's like other uh, several country day schools not several but i think there's one in charlotte um i think there's one in like kentucky don't hold me to that but it's they're just private schools um that kind of have the same like you know belief and like you know academics first and blah blah, blah. detroit country day is a bigger school than cincinnati country day is um and they probably do have a little better sports not saying that because they beat us in baseball, but just because they are a bigger school. Um, but yeah, there's the country day is just like a, it's just like the private school. It's just like a name. Yeah. I, Cause when I saw that Cincinnati country day, like I thought of Detroit country day with Tyler and I wasn't sure like if there was some correlation there or, you know, whatever, but last question, when it comes to the high school baseball scene, we'll kind of move into the recruiting process next. But as you kind of look at high school baseball, look at travel baseball, Kind of take us through maybe the transition going from the spring to the summer. How would you maybe compare travel baseball to high school ball? You know, kind of give you know, kind of take us through that. That's a that's a great question. I think travel ball is a lot more individualized um, than high school ball. Uh, high school ball, you know, you play for you know like a ring, you play for a ring, you play for a state title, um, and you you're not really getting recruited in high school ball uh, unless like you're good enough to get drafted. Um, but 
travel ball, I think, is, you know, you're a little, a little more playing for yourself. Not saying that in, like, a selfish way or not saying that, like, you don't play as a team in travel ball. But, you know, you're playing to get an opportunity and, uh, and, and you're trying to earn a scholarship. So you're really kind of playing for yourself. And I think that's the main difference between travel ball and high school ball. So making that transition to the recruiting process early, you did say you did commit to a school there before you committed to Maryland, ended up decommitting and ended up there at Maryland now. Kind of take us through that initial recruiting process. I'm sure that happened when you were a pretty young guy going through maybe your freshman, sophomore year, high school, whatever. Take us through what that initial recruiting process was looking like for you. Yeah, no. Um, so I my recruiting did start somewhere going into my freshman year. Um Played with the Flames down in Hoover, got some good looks, and then I actually played with the um, the artillery, or they were the Arsenal, but they're artillery now uh, with AJ over there. Um, and so, like, I got a ton of – I was getting a ton of looks. I uh, had a ton of phone calls. was really busy. Probably had a phone call every day. Um, and then kind of leading up, I committed to Ohio State summer going in – or, like, August going into my sophomore year. And – that was a tough decision really because I was down between I was down between Ohio State and Tennessee. And I really liked Tennessee. Tennessee was kinda of like the first school that uh, recruited me. But um just from like a grand standpoint, like I wanted to play and I wanted to make an impact, you know, immediately and I feel like I, I had a chance to do that at Ohio State. Um I really liked the coaching staff that was there. Um and I think that's also being like a hometown guy. Um I had a pretty decent offer to be honest. I'll be completely honest. Um so like I ended up committing to Ohio State, um, and then a year later, uh, Beals gets fired, um, which was really sad to me because I love Coach Beals, and I, I thought, like, he had one or two bad seasons, and but he's had a great career at Ohio State. Um, and, you know, Ohio State being Ohio State, big state school, you know, big football school, big um, athletic school, uh, and they need to win, and I completely understand that, so they brought in new staff. Um, and then I just didn't really get along with the new staff. Um, they hired a recruiting coordinator who came and watched, us, uh, watched me and Keegan play because Keegan was also committed there. And, um, you know, he, he talked to us and, you know, it was, it was fine. But then he ended up leaving, going to take a job at, uh, GCU, Grand Canyon. Um, and then after that, I was just like, this just doesn't feel right. And it just doesn't feel right. So I ended up decommitting and then um kind of just trying to get back on that scene um I know when it came back to making that decision in Maryland uh it was really tough because I had a couple schools that I was like had good offers at um you know and then Beals was at Marshall and Marshall was really pulling uh he was really pulling for it and uh, uh I ended up choosing Maryland just because like I when I visited I loved it um I love what Swope's doing there um you know, with this whole motor preferences thing, I'm pretty sure you've heard that if you had him on the podcast. Uh, he's really adamant about uh, motor preferences. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that program, the last two years, that really spoke to me. Like, they've kind of almost dominated the Big Ten uh, with home runs, base hits, batting average, anything you name it. And as a hitter, that's something you really dream of. And, uh, so I ended up choosing Maryland, and uh, I'm, I'm really happy with my decision so far. I can't wait to get down there. 
Yeah, you can't. You I mean you kind of cut out some of my questions I'm about to ask just because you, you kind of gave me the whole you you gave me the whole rundown here on the recruiting process. So it kind of cut out a couple of questions there, but uh, kind of throwing it back there all the way to the beginning. You said the recruiting process got started there before you were stepping even up to, into a high school classroom. Take us through what's going through your mind on some of those initial calls. Again, you're an eighth grader going into your freshman year, still four years away from college. Kind of take us through what's going through your head during some of those phone calls. Oh man, that. I mean, if it weren't for my parents, I would—I probably would have committed on the on the first phone call I got an offer, right? And um, I think it's crazy. I'm glad that they changed the NCAA rule now. But I think it's crazy that I had offers going in before I even stepped foot in high school. Um, not that I am saying that I'm appreciative. I'm very fortunate that I I, I was able to get those offers, but um, it was it was definitely crazy and, and very eye opening, right? Because you're a 14 year old, you're going to make a decision that, you know, could potentially affect the rest of your life. Right. So kind of my, my mindset was like, Hey, let's just like, Ooh, slow down. Right. Let's what I want to study. Do they have this? Um, am I going to be paying a lot of money? Uh, am I going to have to take debt, student loan debt? Um, how's this baseball program, uh, texting players. Do they like this coach? Um, so kind of just like figuring out like which school really is best for me. Um, because there were so many of them to choose from, right? And there's so many good programs, so many good schools across the country, far away and close to me, like um, kind of just doing the, the most amount of research I can to, you know, find the best place for me. So as we talk about some of those first phone calls, I kind of want to dig into some of those initial conversations you're having. Again, not too deep, but in terms of First conversations you're having with certain coaches, take us through maybe some questions that you're asking them to kind of get to know about them, get to know their program, maybe questions they're asking you. Kind of take us through there during that initial recruiting process, what some of those first phone calls were looking like, maybe how that changed in that second recruiting process as well with you being a couple years older. Kind of take us through what those initial conversations were looking like. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I think the first question I always asked was like, player development, like how do you develop your players? Because Miles McDowell is, you know, to be in the Hall of Fame. I want to play in the big leagues. I want to be in the Hall of Fame. So how am I going to develop at your school to where I can get drafted and make an impact in the big leagues or in the minor leagues? That was kind of like my first question. Um, I always like to ask how the team environment was, um, how that, what they do team bonding wise or, uh, do guys live on campus together, off campus together, off campus separate? Um, just kind of figuring out like what that camaraderie was, you know, at that school, because um, that's important to me. Um, and then also like just doing my research on, you know, how how is the team? How uh, how are they? You know, are they winning a lot? Are they losing a lot? Um, are they are they getting rid of seniors? Are they graduating seniors? Or are kids getting drafted? Um, are kids transferring? So um, second time around, that's a little more uh, applicable, right, with the portal and, and how that's going nowadays um, with the transfer thing. And um, But I think second time around, I, I was a lot more like aware of what I wanted um, or what I actually wanted, um, you know, and the questions weren't as uh, – I didn't have as many questions to kind of the second time around. I mean, I, at that time, I've probably been – I've been through hundreds of calls and – uh, and it's the same thing over and over again, and your brain just learns to answer it how, how you want or how uh, what you want to say. And, um, yeah, that second time around was definitely easier. Um, but I think 
when I when I, when I look back at their recruiting process and and go through it, and my first time around, I was young, and maybe I rushed it a little bit. Um, I think from like you know that summer going into my freshman year to that summer going into my sophomore year, um, you know, if you think that's actually a long period of time, but it didn't really feel like it because everything was so you know fast paced and I was getting all these calls and and whatnot. Um, I think I might have rushed it, and I think that second time I kind of slowed it down a little bit. There weren't as many. Uh, for sure, just because, you know, I was a little later in the process um, as a 24, but I kind of like slowed it down a little bit, kind of took it all in. And uh, and I think that the second time was a little more enjoyable for me. So you said that second recruiting process, you knew what you actually wanted compared to maybe that first time you did rush it a little bit. You know, as you're going down, maybe that recruiting process is getting closer and closer to coming to an end. You're choosing between Maryland. I know you said Marshall was maybe making a pull for you as well with the old Ohio State coach. Kind of take us through maybe that final click that made you realize Maryland was going to be the spot for you over some of those other schools that were going after you. Yeah, no, I think so. Like Maryland was the last school I visited. Um, you know, they flew me out, uh, paid for my hotel and everything. And um, I think Swope spent the whole day with me, uh, Coach Gardner picked me up, took me to the airport, drove me around campus, showed me everything. And um, I know, you know, that's, I mean, it's typical for, you know, recruits, but it just felt different. Um, the, the, the sincereness, the uh, very, very genuine people that I felt connected to right away on the spot. Um, and then to mention like, um, they, they're a winning program. They've won the last two years. They've been just absolutely dominant and, um, I mean, what kind of kid doesn't want to go to the, the Big Ten and, and be in the top of the Big Ten and, and you know, play for a Big Ten title and play for, you know, to get in the regionals and, and uh, a super regional and then go to Omaha, right? And I think I have a chance, you know, to to make to make work for myself, you know, at Maryland. Um, not saying that I didn't at the other schools, but when when it comes down to that final click, I think it was just like that that uh the competitiveness and the, the level of baseball that you know the university of maryland plays at yeah so you talk about all the genuine people there that are on that maryland coaching staff you talk about swope kind of picked you up kind of spent the day with you was that the point before he was head coach or was he already named that new head coach at that point no so he was already named that the new head coach um but he just had hired uh the recruiting coordinator and pitching coach so jamie jackson and uh johnny poss um and it's like real, like literally like a month before they've just been hired. And, uh, but they saw me at, um, at WWA in Atlanta, uh, saw me play. And, and Swope told me, he's like, yeah, we weren't even really looking for another infielder. Um, but we like the way you play. Uh, we like the way you, you stand in the box and your approach in the box. Um, and you can pick it up the middle. Um, and uh, we can see you playing basically anywhere in, in the infield, um, maybe a corner outfield too. So, like, uh, I hearing that, like, hey, I got, multiple opportunities to play you know different positions get me in the lineup um because that's what most part of me get me in the lineup um and so yeah i think that's kind of it will let me to you know choose maryland for sure yeah and, and swope's a great guy like i said i mean he's the he's the only actually instantly head coach i've actually had on the podcast i had him back like i told you before i think it was like episode, it was like episode like 40 it was very very early on especially um, when it came to the baseball side of the JKR podcast, I had him on. And uh, I don't think I – funny story. I actually did the interview in the bathroom of a nightclub that I worked at because <laughs> uh, my power had gone out at my house like 15 minutes for the interview. And I'm like, like shit, what do I do? Like can't, can't hop on a Zoom call, can't, you know, whatever. 
And uh, I called my boss because I worked at the night. I'm, I'm a college kid who works at a nightclub. And I called, I was like, hey, man, like, can I like go to the place? I, I, I got to I got to get this interview done. Like I got this big time coach coming on. Got to make sure I, you know, do it right. And right. it was uh, it was like a Tuesday night. So like there was a couple people there. So uh, and I wasn't like too noisy, but I did it in in, in a stall in a nightclub, nightclub bathroom talking to Coach Swope. Uh, getting getting that podcast done the, probably the mo- definitely the most unique spot i've been in for for a podcast but uh I, I had the chance to meet him down there in atlanta as well this past summer great dude um you know i'm, I'm sure he's gonna be do great doing great things there for for that maryland baseball program but um you know kind of sticking with that topic of that coaching staff you, know, you talk about how a bunch of genuine guys there you know you felt really at home when you were going through those visits how has that relationship kind of evolved since that commitment probably going through national signing day as well how has that relationship evolved here since just just deciding to go to maryland yeah no um i think we went on my official visit in the weekend before uh thanksgiving um and you know there wasn't before that there wasn't really much like contact between coaches a couple texts here and there blah blah like you know hey how's how football go or how'd your game go um and most of that was like, you know, communication through, you know, the assistant coaches. But uh, when we went to our visit, um, I think like the coaches really just like spent a lot of time with us. Like, There's a coach at every table when we're eating dinner. Um, there were coaches showing us around, um, you know, different spots of campus that some kids haven't seen before. And um, I think just like it's hard for coaches to like, you know, really – you know, create connections with every player because there's a lot of players and, you know, they're coming from different parts of the, the country and they're coming from different colleges with the portal now. And so um, I think, I think at Maryland, it's a little different. I think, you know, each coach is, you know, really connected with their players. Um, and we actually got to stay with um, some freshmen at Maryland when we went on our visit and um, got to spend a lot of time with them. And I was like, the first thing I asked my host was like, Hey, how do you, how do you like coach Swope? How do you like, uh, how do you like coach uh, Gardner? Like, he's like, Oh man, I love him. Uh, he's like, I love him. And he's like, you know, I was put it awake before I uh, decided to come to Maryland. And um, he's like, yeah, he's like, it's, it, I love him. I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. And I love it here. I think you're gonna love it here too. So I think, I think it's a little different. You know, I think the connections between the coaches and players at Maryland is something special. So sticking on that topic of relationships, kind of want to move it from the coaching staff side to the actual future teammate side. You know, as I kind of look through that Maryland commitment class for the class of 2024, seeing, you know, Jack Yeager, Paul Jones, some of those different guys there, um, you know, looking like a pretty good recruiting class going in there with you. Kind of take us through maybe some of the recruited, some of the relationships you have there with some of those future teammates there at Maryland. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I'm definitely excited. Like we went on our visit and, um, you know, we all clicked right away. Uh, and there was some contact before, like I talked to some players just like over social media and stuff. And, um, but like when we were all at dinner and we were just talking, having a good time, it felt like I knew him for, I've known him for the last couple of years. And, um, I feel like fortunately I get, I got to like pick my roommates or choose who I want to room with. And I'm actually rooming with two pitchers and a catcher, which is kind of funny and no other infielders, but, uh, I, I love the guys. I think they're awesome. Um, uh, I don't, there's not one kid that I feel like I can't get along with and um, very talented. Like you said, you know, Jake is a stud can fit 94 on the mound. He might actually get drafted. Um, and then PJ Paul Jones uh, is a beast too. So 
Uh, not and there's also other players that are really good. I'm just, those you just said those two, so I was going to highlight those two. But um, I'm definitely really excited, uh, you know. And I I think going in we're going to have a pretty tight bond, and then we'll actually end up spending the summer together. Uh, we all go down early, so I think that will also help us, you know, kind of glue that bond together even more. Yeah. So you kind of touch on my next question there again. So I mean, I guess you're 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 knocking off questions left and right here, but. Uh, I mean, you talk about going to campus early. I know that's pretty common there within the Big Ten, within the SEC there a little bit as well, and having their freshmen come in a couple weeks, you know, about a month early or so, kind of get adjusted to campus, maybe take a summer class, whatever. I guess what is that plan for next summer in terms of when do they want you on campus? Do you kind of know what the plan is going forward through the summer? Kind of take us through what you're maybe looking ahead to as you're stepping foot on campus. Yeah, no. Um, so they we're going to all go down. All of our freshmen will go down uh july 7th or july 8th um like pretty early and we'll take a six-week class uh, get some credits out of the way kind of just get us acclimated to campus um we'll be able to work out hit do all that stuff um i know co my coaches can't really get involved or anything just NCAA rules but um i think that's i'm definitely looking forward to having me fun i kind of wish uh i don't i think i'm i'm not gonna play baseball that first month um i think i'm just gonna work out um you know hit uh maybe do some like live abs or something um if there's a tournament that needs like a sub or a play or a team that needs a sub for like a tournament or something uh maybe i'll hop on it but it's such a short um you know time frame it's like only a month i get uh especially if you know if we make a run in the state tournament for high school that goes all the way to like mid-june so um kind of just like i think i'm just kind of probably not gonna play uh, i thought about you know playing for the skins for a little bit um and then going to Maryland, but I, I didn't want to put, you know, Bart who owns Midland. I didn't want to put him in like that sort of situation, having to like get rid of a guy and um stuff like that. So um but yeah, I'm really excited to get on early and I think it's gonna be a fun, fun summer. We do get to come back at the end for like two or three weeks in August and then we go back to school and report for class and first day of fall. But yeah, I'm sure you're pretty excited there for that freshman year uh heading in there. But um, last question here when it comes to the college side, we'll dig a little bit into maybe on the field play, being a middle infielder, talk about hitting stuff like that. And we'll do a little rapid fire at the end as well. But, you know, going into next fall, being a freshman, kind of what is that mindset you have going in to maybe prove yourself to that coaching staff, maybe again, maybe build relationships with some other guys as well. Take us through what that mindset is, it, mindset is heading into that freshman fall. Yeah, no, I think it's just going to be to like, you know, stay within myself you know, be the player I am, right? Because, you know, obviously they recruited me. They think I'm good enough to play there, right? So I also obviously think, you know, I'm I'm good enough to play there too. So, right, just kind of go in there and be yourself, you know, play your game um, and do, do what I'm asked, do what I'm told. Um, don't try and, you know, be the hero, right? Don't try and hit 17,000 home runs or, you know, but, you know, move the guy over, get the bunt down, uh, you know, make the double play, Um just play play the game simple uh, and play the game like I know how to play. And, um, you know, I think I, I can give myself a pretty good shot, you know, making an impact. Um, you know, I just – I believe that – I believe myself. So so being with that collegiate coaching staff on a day-in and day-out basis there next fall, obviously next spring as well, and hopefully the next three or four years, how do you see yourself evolving next fall being with that collegiate coaching staff on the day-in and day-out basis? Yeah, so I'm really excited about that because it's a good question. You know, I kind of touched on it earlier, but Coach Wolf, um, like a part owner, CEO, something, and, and a motor preferences company. And motor preferences is just like how your body moves, how your body wants to move, right? So he 
does this, you know, evaluation uh, of like how your body uh, moves. And like, there's so many different types of profiles, uh, thousands of different profiles and um, for thousands of different types of athletes. And, uh, and he really programs each player individually because each player is different. Each player, um, you know, body, each player's body moves differently, right. Or wants to move differently. So he really, uh, you know, like programs, uh, like your like your personal profile so that your body can move as efficiently as possible right because there might be a way where I do something uh, where my body is not profiled to do it I can do it fine I can do it well I've been doing it my whole life but there's a way where my body can do it more efficiently so he really like digs in like okay if you're this then um, your hands and your hips should fire at the same time. Or if you're terrestrial, you're more like ground-based, then your hands and your hips, your hips should go first and your hands should stay back and be separated. So um, I'm really excited to see like what what that does with me as a player and like how my body changes from like what I've always done. Um, I'm not sure how much it'll be. Maybe it's a little, maybe it's a lot. And, and that's just an adjustment I'll have to make. But uh, I'm really excited to see that. And, you know, hopefully that allows me to develop uh, at a, a very high, um, you know, like incline exponential growth. So for sure. So kind of digging into, I guess, defensively, I know, like I said, PG PBR says middle infielder and catcher, I guess from listening to here the next, the last hour, I think you're going to be a middle infielder there at that next level, but kind of take us through where do you see yourself defensively, whether that's shortstop second, whether maybe you see yourself putting on some, uh, some catcher's gear in the next couple of years and getting behind the plate, kind of take us through where do you see yourself defensively the next couple of years? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, you know, honestly, I, I really couldn't tell you an honest answer that. Um, I could see myself playing second. Um, I could see myself, you know, possibly playing short. Um, I know they have a couple shortstops there right now that are probably pretty young um, that will have experience ahead of me. Um, I could see myself playing a corner infielder spot. Um, I've played third before. Never played first, but um, I feel like I could play it. Uh, I could see myself playing a corner outfield spot. Um, and like you said, I, I could actually see myself throwing on the gear. Um, it's been a while because my ACL. Um, I do a lot of stuff off one knee just so it doesn't, like, really bother it. Um, my knee is heels completely. It's fine. So I'd, I'm not really worried about it or anything. But I just haven't really caught in a while. Um, I used to be a pretty good catcher, I think. Um, I actually used to enjoy it a little bit. Uh, not all the time. Cause I don't know how catchers do it all the time. It's very tiring, but uh, yeah, I can, I can see myself basically anywhere, but pitching and playing center field, um, which is good for me because I know I'm a versatile player. Um, and I think that gives me the best chance of, you know, getting in the lineup somewhere. And that's all I really care about. So. Yeah, for sure. I guess I'll have to be following along to kind of see where you're at there these next couple of years <laughs> defensively there uh, at Maryland, but moving from the defensive side here to the hitting side, I want you to kind of take us through your hitting approach. Let's say you're on deck, you're watching the guy in front of you, you're walking up to that batter's box. What's going through your mind? What are you trying to do with each at bat? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I love this question. Um, so I'm a like top order guy, which you know sometimes it's not good because you don't really get to see the pitcher a ton. Um, but I think your at bat starts way before your at bat actually does. It starts before even even before the on deck circle, right? So watching the pitcher throw in the bullpen on the other side of the field, right? Or, you know, I know in college, like, you'll get scouting reports and stuff like that. But in high school, we sometimes get scouting reports on pitchers, too, for, like, league games. But, um, you know, studying, like, 
which pitches they like to throw and which counts or are they throwing fastballs first or are they throwing curveballs first or what, um, you know, and how is the ball coming out of the hand when they're throwing a fastball? How is the ball coming out of the hand when they're coming to throw a curveball? Is it popping up? Uh, is it staying out? Um, and stuff like that. So seeing that, um, like early, so you kind of are a little prepared going into the box. And then when you step in the box, it's, um, I just go blank. I just deep breath, go blank, let my body take over, let my athleticism take over. Um, I'm hunting fastballs, right? First pitch fastball, I don't care what it is. I'm probably swinging at it um, unless it's, you know, either like elevated or low um, or not in the strike zone. But uh, I love hunting first pitch fastballs. I'll swing at the first pitch every day. Um, first pitch curveballs, uh, if it's, you know, minimum at all, I'll swing at it. Uh, if it's backside, backdoor, I'll, I won't. Um, but, like, I think for me, it's just like when I get into the, into the box, it's just like, I'm doing damage. I'm swinging hard and I'm barreling balls. Um, if I strike out, I strike out. If I get out, I get out. It's part of the game, right? If you think about it, if you fail seven out of 10 times, you're considered a good baseball player, which is crazy to think about. Um, so I think I kind of just like keep that perspective in the back of my mind always and just like, hey, like go out there and, you know, try and get your pitch, battle, um, and hit a ball as hard as you can. So how does that approach change on two strikes? Oh, on two strikes, yeah. I, was, I mean, two strikes is kind of – I do change my swing a little bit, kind of like um, the way I pick up my front foot, kind of just stay a little more backside, um, and it's just a little more battle. Uh, I mean, I honestly, I still – I'm not going to, like, not swing as hard. Um, I'm not going to, like, sacrifice any power or uh, for, like, barrel control or anything because I feel like I have good barrel control. I feel like I have fast hands. Um, but when it comes to two strikes, it's just, you know, expanding the zone a little bit. Uh, especially in high school, because high school zones tend to be way worse, uh, way horrible. They're actually pretty horrible. Um, I'll be completely honest, they're actually pretty horrible, but high school, they're or travel, they're way better. So, you know, just kind of like knowing, knowing the umpire and like, what's he going to call? Uh, expanding the zone to like knowing the umpire. Like, if you watch the game or if you're in the field and your pitcher's getting fastballs that are at the shoulders. You gotta know, like you gotta know that when you step in the box. You gotta know that that's a pitch you gotta. Back. So flipping it from the approach side to the actual mechanics here, I kind of want to take. I want want you to take us through from that load up to that follow through. What are those mechanics looking like, and maybe how they've evolved these last couple of years if you've matured more as a baseball player? Yeah, no. Um, so I think I'll tell you uh, three most important things. Probably my swing. Uh, maybe four. Uh, getting in my back hip on my load, getting my front foot down, completely down. Don't hang my heel, getting it completely down. Um, firing my hips before my hands, hip, you know, hip, hip, shoulder separation, and then a scap load. Um, so I do do like a scap load and then slot the back elbow. Uh, I think those are the four most important things. Um, and I think like, you know, my hand path is traditionally very kind of inside out um i do like when i do cage work and stuff i kind of try and keep it middle middle away um and kind of just trying to spray the ball to the left side of the field um because i know i can hit the inside pitch and i know i can get my barrel out on a middle middle fastball and i can know i can you know do some damage to it but um you know i think it's really important to practice you know hitting backside and stuff like that um and mechanics wise uh you know i I've, i think my swing has been the same for not like the same, but like 
um, you know, structurally with how I want like my hand, my hips to fire and my hands to stay back and create some tension in the core and then be able to like whip through the zone, um, you know, and try and get that barrel on plane as fast as possible and keep it on plane as long as possible. Um, I think that's been the same for, you know, last four or five years. Um, I think what's changed is kind of, I've changed loads over the time and, um, that scap load, I just recently started doing like a scap load. Um, but yeah. So looking at your game's entirety, so whether this is playing middle infield, playing one of the corner spots, playing the outfield, base running, the relationships and leadership you have with your teammates, the hitting side as well. If you were a scout watching your game, what would be that personal scouting report you'd write up on yourself? Well, that's good. Um, so I mean, obviously, I'm not like I'm not like I'm not a showcase player. I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm definitely an in-game kind of guy. Um, you know, I don't have the strongest arm. I don't run the fast 60. You know, I don't have the highest sexy velo or whatever. Um, but what I like will tell you is, like, I, I'm a gamer. and I'll, I'll play the game until as hard as I can until it's over. Um, I don't like to lose in anything. Um, I mean, whether that's ping pong or whether it's baseball or whether it's in a game of euchre or poker or something like that, I don't like to lose. Um, so I'm very competitive. And uh, like you said, I, leadership, I, I'm a I'm a leader. Uh, I've been a leader for many years now, um, and I think that's important, um, you know, to have someone like that in your in your in your program. Um, and you know, I can hit. Uh, I'm a hitter. Uh, I can hit in all counts. I can pull one out of the park. I can hit a double backside over the shortstop's head. Um, I can drop a bunt down. Um, and then, like you said, I'm, I can feel the ball, too. I, I feel athletic up the middle. Um, you know, my arm's not weak, but it's not super strong. Like, I have a good arm. Um, and, yeah, I think that, that's kind of how I would scout myself. Right. So I'm digging into my final segment here. Like to get into the personal side here to end things off. We got to let those Maryland baseball fans get to know who Parker Corbin is beyond the baseball field here. So passion's beyond the game. So passion's beyond baseball. I'll throw in football there as well. So beyond just your athletic life, what would be some of those passions that you have that maybe take your mind off of some things? Yeah, no, I love to go fish. Um, I'm actually probably going to go fishing after this with my dad and my brother. Um, we have a boat and we take it to different lakes around Ohio and we'll go fish. Um, for different types of fish. So I love the fish. I like to be outdoors. Um, I've tried hunting, not really for me. I, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't like sitting in a stand for six hours and, you know, not seeing a single thing. So um, I like to read, uh, I'll read different types of books uh, for school or just personal stuff like that. Um, I like to play chess. I think chess is a very fun game. It's very cerebral. Um my brother is like a really good chess player. So he plays me all the time and he beats up on me, but you know, it makes me better. Um, I love to hang out with my friends. I have a pretty good friend group at school. I have a pretty good friend group from, you know, the flames. Um, we like to hang out. Um, us Cincinnati guys, we like to hang out a good bit. Um, and I, I like to be with my family, uh, you know, especially since both my brothers are both in college, uh, they're home now for break. And it's been really nice, you know, have them here. So kind of been hanging out with them a lot. Um, doing some stuff with my family and and uh, yeah, that's kind of like what I like to do outside of sports. Okay, so two follow up questions there on some of those stuff you like doing beyond your athletic life. You talk about reading books. What are some of those favorite books you like reading? Maybe some of those go to. Maybe some suggestions you got for me. Whatever. What would be some of those books? And then uh, you you talk about fishing. I always have a comeback 
favorite fishing story like whatever, oh. whether it's a, i had i had someone on the, the show the other day who accidentally reeled in a log so i mean that might be tough to top but what would be that favorite fishing story as well probably when i was young man uh we went deep sea fishing and in, in the gulf of mexico down in florida off of pensacola and um i would i don't know probably five or six and i'm reeling in this fish uh a big old amberjack probably like probably like actually like my size probably and I'm having, obviously i'm getting help from like the the the, the, the deck mate or whatever and um and i'm reeling it in and then i just like i just drop the pole and it just goes into the water uh but thankfully, like it was attached to like the side of the boat, so like, but the pole was like in the water, and the fish is dragging line, and I I didn't know I did not know what to do. I, I mean, I was like a six year old kid, so then I just um, I just freaked out. I started crying probably, uh, and then I let the 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 uh, the captain and the the deck mate do do the rest, and we actually ended up catching that fish somehow. I don't know how it stayed on or how it didn't break off, but that was probably one of my favorite memories. I remember we we my family talks about it all like all the times. How Parker dropped that pole, and uh, yeah, so that's probably one of my favorite uh, fishing memories. And then, books wise, I'm actually reading this book right now, Just Mercy, um, about he's Brian Stevenson. He's a he's a, a very famous uh, um, death row lawyer, and I uh, help people get off death row who were wrongly convicted. Uh, I'm not super far into it. I think I'm like almost 100 pages into it, but um, I'm thinking about going into law school. Uh, you know, eventually at some point in my career. I think I'm going to do a pre-law uh, major, um, which I don't know what that's going to be yet. Maybe like political science or criminal justice or something like that. But um, so far, I like this book a lot. I've heard some really good things about it. Um, man, some other books that I like. I love the Harry Potter series. I mean, that's that's classic. Everyone likes Harry Potter series. Um, Hunger Games series are great books. I think those were the, I think that was the first series of books I read. Um, but yeah, my mom reads a ton. So I'm like, if I need a book, she just throws me suggestions and um, I'll read some of her suggestions, but yeah, I got, I got to get more into reading. I, I come from, you talk about your mom, I come from a non read, like, you know, my mom, mom and dad don't like to sit down and just read books. So like I grew up not really doing that. I'm trying to get into that. You know, I listen yeah. to these podcasters that do that and, you know, I'm trying to get into it. So every time I have a guy coming who likes reading, I always got to ask for some of those suggestions, but yeah, uh, moving from the passion side to the motivations here. You know, what is that that helps you get out of bed every morning, helps you continuously evolve as a baseball player, as a person? What would be some of those motivators? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, You know, I would say probably my biggest motivations are my parents, you know, and they sacrifice a lot of, of money and time um, and towards me, um, especially with travel baseball, you know, paying those fees, the team fees, tournaments, the gas, the plane tickets, um, everything. There's just so much that goes into, you know, travel baseball and a whole the equipment, right? I have, I probably have almost fifty bats, seven gloves. Like I have a ton of stuff, and I'm so appreciative of that. Um, and you know, uh, I'm I am fortunate enough that my parents like do pretty well, and um, like they are able to buy me buy me that stuff. But, you know, there's a lot more stuff they can be spending their money on. Um, and there's a lot more things they can be doing than going to, you know, Atlanta in the middle of July um, and, you know, sitting through 95 degree weather and watching me play three games. So 
um, just me, like, you know, wanting to get up and make them proud probably every day and eventually, you know, hopefully, you know, get drafted and, and play professionally, um, you know, and be able to, you know, pay it back towards them a little bit, you know, maybe buy them like a nice house or a car or something, right? That's kind of like every kid's dream is to buy your mom her favorite car when, you know, when you get your signing bonus, stuff like that. So um, that's definitely probably my biggest motivator. Um, and, you know, I think just me is like, I know I'm going to Maryland and I know I'm going to have to work my ass off to, you know, get a spot and compete. So I think ever since, you know, it goes back to Ohio State too, but ever since, you know, I committed or I realized I was going to play Division One baseball, I was just like, hey, you got to get up and you got to work today because there's other kids working um, and, you know, they want that spot just as badly, right? So I think that's kind of like, you know, that's a, it's a that's probably my biggest motivation is like, I know what I have to do, you know, to be better and to, you know, have an opportunity to play and, you know, make an impact. I know what needs to be done. And, uh, you know, I just waking up every morning and, and getting that done so I can, you know, have the opportunity to, you know, make a name for myself uh, when I get there. And, you know, so that kind of is what motivates me for sure. So as you continue to show thanks to your parents, you kind of use that as a motivator. Let's take that motivation question a little bit further. Perfect picture of your life, 20 years down the road, 37, 38 years old. What does that perfect picture look like if everything's going right? Oh, man. Perfect picture. 37, 38. I'm getting towards the end of my playing career. You know, the Cincinnati Reds, that would be awesome. I've um, been a resident my whole life. Um, you know, I've got a family, uh, some kids, some cool dogs, nice house. Um, both my parents are retired. Um, you know, both my brothers are successful doing well. Uh, that would be kind of like the ideal, you know, life. Is that going to happen? Probably not. There's going to be some obstacles on the way. Um, you know, but, uh, I, I, that's the dream I'm working towards. Um, and you know, if I want something, I try my hardest to get it. So we'll see in 20 years, I guess. Okay, there we go. Uh, hopefully for years to come, I'll be I could go to Great American Ballpark and see Parker Corbin there on the jumbotron. See you, see you. Uh, you know, making some All Star team stuff like that. But um, I got six more questions here for you before we do end it off. Gonna ask them in a rapid fire pace here. Three rounds of two questions. First round here. Who is contacting your phone? You're scrolling cool. through contacts. Who's that contact that not too many people have? Second question. Go to playlist, whether that's making the drive to Maryland, whether that's you know going and getting a workout in. What is that go to playlist you got? Coolest contact to my phone. Um, I'm, I'm gonna stay away from the coaches because I have a lot of cool coaches in there. Um, let's try. Um, wow. All right, I'm gonna give you a playlist first. I'm gonna think about. I'm gonna think about it as I go on. Um. Playlist, I'm going country, 110% of the way there. Uh, I love my country music, you know. Um, some Zach Bryan, Morgan Wallen, Luke Combs, Tyler Childers, guys like that. Um, yeah, I'm definitely just going to shuffle that. I got a big playlist, so that'll do. All right, back to the contact. Uh, let me do um, – I will do one of my friends who is with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, in the organization, uh, TJ Brock, he played at Ohio State for four years and then got drafted. Um, he 
was like a role model my brother and he's been really really good to me he's been really good to me and uh, uh he's a great guy so yeah I'll do that. having some pro guys in your phones never a bad thing so uh those guys are pretty cool but looking on that playlist side you talk about morgan wallen zach bryan luke combs you're putting on that country playlist what is that first song oh man wow the great question um probably zach bryan song and i'll probably do right now my favorite like heavy eyes right now by zach bryan it's probably it's one of my go-to's um, I don't know. I could click shuffle on any of them, and I'm yeah, I'm I thinking. Mean, yeah, all three of those guys you mentioned: Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen, Zach. And there's not a bad song that they have. So, like you no. like you said, just put on shuffle, whatever. But yeah. um, second round of two questions here. Let's say I am taking a trip to Cincinnati, or you know wherever your part of Cincinnati is. What would be some of those recommendations you got for me, restaurant wise? Maybe some things to do. Maybe you know going to GABP, checking a Reds game, whatever. What would be some of those recommendations you got for me? And second question, you're having dinner with three people, dead or alive, who would be at that table? Ah, all right. Um, I'll give you – okay, so you got to go to Skyline. Um, You got to try it. Not everyone likes Isn't it. Isn't Skyline guys. Chili? Skyline Chili, yeah. You got to okay. go to Skyline. It's got – I'm, I'm going to tell you this now, but don't get disgusted. The chili has, like, cinnamon and, like, chocolate in it. So, like – it's different. It's different chili. It's not like normal chili you think of, but get yourself a coney, cheese coney. Get yourself a three-way or four-way, um, which is like spaghetti with like cheese and like beans and stuff. But got to try Skyline. You got to try Grater's ice cream. Um, I think it's probably the best ice cream I've ever had. It's Cincinnati-based, but they have it all over the place now. But um, I would I would suggest that you go to Great American. I love that ballpark. And then also Paycor, which is where the Bengals play, if you could watch a Bengals game. Um, they're pretty electric. Uh, Bengals fans are crazy now that they're actually pretty good. Um, and I've been a Bengals fan my whole life, so I've been, thank God they finally, you know, are decent. And then, uh, dinner of three people. Oh, man. Um, dead or alive. Ooh. I'll put Ty Cobb in there. Uh, be cool to pick his brain. Um, uh, I'd like to I'd like to sit down with LeBron James, um, and then uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds, my favorite actor. I'm trying to get like diverse group yeah, here. Of course. Uh, so I'd like to. I think he would, you know, enlighten the mood. Would have a serious conversation between Ty Cobb and LeBron James, and then Ryan yeah. Reynolds. Yeah. You know, kind of like a little bit. No, interesting. I like I like that diversity there on that table. Yeah, uh, you got you got some interesting conversations going on. I take it you're a big LeBron as the goat guy, right? Being from Ohio, you know I am. I I mean I think it's really close, um. But like I think just recently passing that that points, uh, marker. I think I think LeBron's got him, and especially when he retires. I know I know it's so hard to say because MJ's got six rings, but um, yeah, no, I think LeBron is is something special, and the fact that he's still playing right now is absurd so I'm a, I'm a big LeBron as the goat guy too I'm an Indiana kid so you know I grew up watching those Cleveland Cavaliers you know watching yeah. them dominate there and I did switch yeah. the heat there when he switched as well and I got <laughs> I have a couple Lakers jerseys in my closet right now so uh you know I'm That's a big awesome. LeBron as the goat guy as well but uh um shoot you mentioned dang it oh you talk about the Bengals so not a big better, but before the season started, I did put $25 on the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. But, you know, obviously that 
at the time, you know, I thought that it might work out, but obviously now with the whole Burrow injury, I, I do not think that's happening. But uh, two more questions here for you. We'll end it off. First off, TikTok for you, Paige. You're scrolling through that TikTok. What does that for you page look like? What are those videos that you're seeing? And then dream NIL brand. So you get to Maryland next fall, get the opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. What would be that dream brand to endorse, collaborate, or partner with? Cool. All right. So TikTok for you page. Um, it's a lot of fishing, golf. I I'm, I like playing golf. I'm not very good at it, but I like playing golf. Um, and then uh, I don't know why, but there's so much camping on there. Like, camping tutorials and like there's this guy who camps all over alaska and places so that's what my tiktok looks like um and then dream and my own brand uh definitely lululemon i love lululemon um I, it's like it's mostly all i wear um i think it'd be pretty awesome to have a, a brand deal with them but you know i'd be appreciative of any brand deal so yeah, of course. Uh, Lululemon's probably the, that's probably the second most answer when I talk to guys. Obviously, Nike's their number one, but you know, I was pretty yeah. surprised when the first guy said Lululemon, and then all those Lululemon answers just kept coming and coming. So, yeah. uh, you know, it's a def, def, they definitely got to be dishing out some NIL money here pretty soon to make some of these guys happy. But um, again, man, appreciate you coming on the show. Um, it's the final question. Um, you know, as you go through the spring, go through those couple, you know, the years at Maryland as well, you know, go through hopefully a long baseball career or maybe a long law career or whatever. Do want to wish you the best of luck, man. But again, you know, appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate you having me, Jace. Uh, it was a great time. And um, thank you. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it a lot.